Hey everyone, it's Jacqueline Melanick. Welcome to Chain Reaction, a show that unpacks and dives deep into the latest trends, drama, and news with some of the biggest names in crypto, breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. Today's guest is Jesse Pollock. He's the leader for BASE and the head of protocols at Coinbase. BASE is an Ethereum-focused Layer 2 blockchain that launched by Coinbase in February of this year. Pollock previously led all retail engineering at Coinbase, including building Coinbase, Coinbase Pro, and Coinbase Wallet. I'm going to try and see how many times I can say Coinbase in this episode. (laughs) Um, (laughs) In a past life, Pollock started Clef, a 2FA mobile app, and was an engineer at BuzzFeed, interestingly. Jesse, welcome onto the show. Thanks for having me, Jackie. Super excited to be here. Yeah, no, it's great to have you. Last time I saw Jesse, we were at ETH Denver together. And obviously, things have transpired since then. The Ethereum Chappella upgrade went through. We've seen a bit of a rally in Bitcoin and Ethereum. But, you know, we're still kind of off from highs. And there's some regulatory pressure on the industry, as I'm sure listeners and Jesse is aware, Coinbase included. But before we get all into that... Something I want to ask you and every guest going forward on Chain Reaction, so you're going to be like my first guinea pig for this, is uh, can you tell me a little bit about one of the most interesting people in crypto you've met and talked to in the past 12 months? And like, what stood out to you about them? Oh, wow. Good question. Like a little shout out. Yeah. I mean, I think there's someone who I work with on a like daily, weekly basis, but we were talking before the show about this project called Oak, which is a local community currency in Oakland. And it's led by this guy, Daryl Jones III, DJ. And I've known him for 10 years. We went to college together. Uh, He went on a very different path than me. We actually worked at Clef together, that 2FA startup. But then after that, he went down kind of the spirituality path. He went to the Harvard Divinity School. He did a bunch of research in in, in kind of those spaces. Um, And then he came back to Oakland and started working basically on kind of like community organizing, figuring out how to better outcomes for local people in in the city of Oakland. And after two years of that, he was basically like, these systems aren't working. And like, we can't change the existing systems. We need to create new ones. And that's when he started working on Oak and started imagining what it would look like if we kind of use crypto to transform our cities. And I think getting to work with him and, and see him work in crypto, it's just such a different, he brings like a really different perspective. He brings like a really different set of communities into crypto. And the kind of work that he's doing is like so different. You know, it's happening at farmers markets and with like other community organizers on the ground. It's just like an inspiration. Every single time uh, I get to interact with him or, or be on the ground in Oakland, I'm like, wow, this is this is the real work. So that's probably the most interesting person I get to interact with on a, on a month-to-month basis. Nice. I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Jesse. So going back into base, I feel like that's <laughs> going to be the, the core focus of this episode. Just to start for our listeners, can you define base's vision in one to two sentences? And like, why did Coinbase build this? How did it come about? So base's vision is that we're bringing a million builders and a billion users on chain. And our mission to do that is to enable really easy to use products built on incredibly powerful on-chain developer platform. So base is the incredibly powerful on-chain developer platform. On top of that platform, an Ethereum L2, layer two, developers like Coinbase and, and like third parties are going to build incredibly easy to use product experiences, which bring crypto from kind of where it's been in the last 10 years, where everything was about trading and speculation into where we think it's going to be over the next 10 years, which is there's going to be millions of incredibly useful products that people want to use powered by crypto that gain global adoption and bring billions of people into the crypto economy. 
Got it. And how long do you think it'll take for this community of these millions of users and hopefully billions to accrue more benefits from Base than, say, Coinbase, the place that launched it? Yeah. I mean, Coinbase has been building in the crypto economy for more than a decade at this point. And I think mm-hmm. when you look at Coinbase's track record in terms of providing trusted, easy to use experiences that bring people in. Like there's so much value that Coinbase has given to, you know, individuals, to businesses, to community. It's going to be hard for us to cross it. That said, I think over the next decade, it's definitely possible, right? Like what we're talking about happening over the next decade is so much of the world's products and activities moving on chain. And when they move on chain, they're going to have to move into a context like base, like Ethereum, where they're running smart contracts uh, deployed on Ethereum layer one, layer two, or other blockchains. And I think Base is going to play a really, really important role in making that secure and making that easy and making that developer friendly. A lot of the same ways that Coinbase played that role over the last decade. So I think less about kind of like Base passing Coinbase and more about how Base plus Coinbase over the next decade are going to be able to work together to bring those million developers, billions of users on chain. All right. That would make sense. And then I wrote the article covering Base's launch back in February. And for those who didn't read the article, we wrote that Base is built on the OP stack in collaboration with Optimism, Mm -hmm. which is also focused on the Ethereum chain. Jesse's nodding his head, so I got that right. But Jesse, can you explain how Optimism plays into Base? Are you supporting them? Are they supporting you? And like, what's that relationship? Yeah, it's a collaboration. And I think this is, you know, one example of the kind of kind of positive sum collaborations that are really only possible in this new kind of crypto on-chain economy that's emerging. Mm-hmm. And so the way this collaboration works is over the last few years, Optimism has built an open source technology toolkit called the OP stack. That's what powers Optimism mainnet, which is also an Ethereum L2. And as we built base, One of the things that was really important to us was we wanted to make sure that base was decentralized and open source. And that in building base, we weren't just kind of taking our users and taking our resources and creating an island that just served Coinbase, but instead we were creating something that would contribute back to the broader ecosystem of crypto. And so rather than building our own technology stack that powers base, we said, hey, let's join as the second core developer of the OP stack and work with Optimism to make one really, really powerful toolkit that can power both Optimism mainnet and base and future chains that other people want to run. And in the last, you know, six weeks after we launched base, I think we've already seen like seven or eight other offerings launched on the OP stack. And so the idea here is we can do more together than we can do apart. And base is kind of living up to that by contributing back to technology. We're also contributing back to the actual funding of the OP stack. We're going to take a portion of the kind of revenue that the chain generates and contribute it back to this thing called retroactive public goods funding, which basically is investments in the open source software that powers the OP stack. And then we're going to be working really closely with Optimism over the next many years to continue securing, decentralizing and scaling this technology for both base and Optimism, but also the rest of the world. Yeah, no, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, too. And it also gives you kind of access or collaboration, as you mentioned, to these Optimism developers who already exist in a community that's already there. Yeah. What's the the saying? It's like, Rising tides raise all ships, something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a bunch of these ones. And I was actually, I just, I was tweeting about this this morning where it's like, 
we really are, it feels like, at still at day zero of the mm-hmm. global adoption of crypto, right? If you look at the number of people who are using crypto on a monthly basis, it's in the low millions right now. And I expect that over the next five years, it'll get into the billions. And so we're at day zero. And I think what collaborations like the Optimism Base collaboration show is that crypto is really kind of the place where positive sum working together is possible in kind of new ways enabled by this new technology. And so the combination of those two things, of us being at day zero and there being massive amount of growth ahead, and there being the actual systems and kind of foundations to have positive sum collaborations, I think just sets us up for more and more of this kind of working together to have a rising tide that lifts all boats rather than kind of working independently (laughs) and infighting. Yeah, no, definitely. Great. All right. I want to move on to a segment I like to do called Rapid Fire Round. And these are some quick responses from you. You pick one or say yes or no. It'll be fun. We're going to have fun. Let's go. I'm here for it. All right. First one, Binance or Coinbase? Uh, that Coinbase. was a tough one, I know. But I, yeah, I, yeah, look, okay. I think Binance has done a ton of incredible work for the industry. And, uh, you know, again, no, Jesse, don't worry. Rising tide lifts all boats. <laughs> I was expecting you to say Coinbase. That one was a, a, an easy one. Uh, has any other blockchains, models, and theses inspired your decisions at base? So many. Yes, so many. Okay. Which ones? The ones that are coming to mind immediately are, are Solana. Like I think that like Anatoly and, and they're thinking about how you can kind of relentlessly optimize kind of the compute and cost layer of a blockchain, definitely feeding into like the way we think about base. Binance Smart Chain is another one. Like I think mm-hmm. Binance has done a really great job of making that incredibly easy for people to use. And that's why you see so much activity on Binance Smart Chain that's retail activity. And then of course Bitcoin, right? Like the values mm-hmm. of decentralization, security. Those are things that we really, really value at base. And, you know, I think it's something that Ethereum really builds on. And so, yeah, I'd say all of those have been inspirations. And of course, Ethereum too. But, you know, I think about base basically as an extension of Ethereum. Like layer two is Ethereum, just like layer one is Ethereum. So, yeah. Where do you see more use in the long term on decentralized exchanges or centralized exchanges? I have basically stopped referring to things as decentralized versus centralized. I think it's kind of an outdated terminology. I prefer to say on-chain or off-chain exchanges because you can both have centralized and decentralized on-chain exchanges. Mm -hmm. You can't really have decentralized off-chain exchanges. And so like, I think you would call like the centralized Coinbase exchange an off-chain centralized exchange, whereas Mm -hmm. Uniswap would be an on-chain decentralized exchange. And then a world where you kind of design a system in smart contracts that still has all of the kind of centralization of Coinbase could be an on-chain centralized exchange. In the Mm -hmm. medium to long term, I think everything is going to be much more on-chain than off-chain. And so I think that there will be much more growth in the on-chain decentralized exchange market and the on-chain centralized exchange market over the next few years. Got it. And then going off developer growth and founder innovation, where do you see more of that in America or Asia? I think that right now with the regulatory environment in the United States, what we're seeing is that innovation is being pushed out of the country. And Mm -hmm. this is because you have policymakers that are not creating clear guidelines that support entrepreneurs in the United States. And so folks like Hong Kong, the UK, Australia are leading the way on innovation and supporting crypto innovation. And that scares me. You know, I was born in the United States. I live in the United States now. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can't create an environment where people can innovate in the United States, that's a big problem. Mm -hmm. What about Asia or Europe removing the U.S. from the equation? I think it's going to happen everywhere. It's going to be like, again, it's not going to be Asia or Europe. That's a pretty neutral response. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'll take it, Jesse. Five. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like we're still at day zero. Um, and the cool thing about crypto is that it really is a global platform. And anyone with an mm-hmm. internet connection has equal access to that platform. And so mm-hmm. I think we're going to see rapid growth in any country that creates a clear framework from a policy perspective to let innovation happen. Right. Okay. Crypto punks or board apes? <laughs> what do you, you think? You have to pick one. <laughs> no, crypto punks. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I rock okay. the crypto punk as my um, profile picture. That's yeah. I actually, min- I minted that one in the original mint when it was an open mint. I was on a plane. I don't remember it exactly, but it now I think it's like crypto punk OG as yeah. part of my soul. <laughs> like I wouldn't, there's no amount of money that I would give up in order to yeah. give that crypto punk away. That was a soft pitch. Yeah. <laughs> what are you more bullish on NFTs or DeFi? You both. can believe in both. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. You got to pick one though. <laughs> um, what am I more? I think NFTs will come to represent like every single asset in the world. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's just so huge. And there will be financial use cases and there will be non-financial use cases. And I think DeFi will end up serving a lot of those kind of financial NFT use cases, but the um, non-financial NFT use cases will still be massive, massive, massive. And so mm-hmm. I think probably NFTs if I had to pick one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my last question, do you see base being a part of Coinbase forever? No, we've been really explicit about that from the beginning. Base mm-hmm. is being incubated inside of Coinbase, but right. our plan is to decentralize and continue to make base kind of live up to the decentralized, permissionless, open kind of ethos that Ethereum started and that we're yeah. extending with Layer 2. Yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that. That's why I put it last. <laughs> but as you mentioned, base wants to be decentralized. Yeah. And obviously right now it's tied to this like massive exchange that we all know is Coinbase. And that's basically a household name. But how long do you think it'll take until base is more in charge of itself versus Coinbase being in charge of it? Or do you feel like it is already? And what does the future of like breaking those ties look like? Yeah, I think it's going to be a gradual process, but I think it's going to happen on the order of like months and years rather than like a decade, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we from a technical perspective, have a really clear roadmap that's going to get us a very meaningful amount of decentralization this year. And then from a kind of like broader social governance organizational perspective, um, it's something we're also thinking about on the kind of like 2023, 2024 time horizon. And so this is not yeah. like a forever timeline. This is like my teams wake up or the, the people I work with wake up every day and we're like, decentralization is the P0 priority. It's like the most important thing. How do we make progress on this today? And we'll be sharing more concretely about what that means in, in the months ahead. But like, it is not something that we're just like, it's like in the future. Like it's yeah, now. Right. And I mean, I the future is now. <laughs> Crystal could decide. Well, yeah. I mean, like the day of the launch of base, it was such an incredibly successful launch. Mm-hmm. We're like way exceeded our expectations. We were so thrilled by how much people were excited about it. And that night, Brian messaged me, Brian Armstrong, CEO. And he said, Jesse, two things uh, that I want you to be thinking about kind of as you close out your day. One is the incredibly successful launch. Now you need to land this, right? Like this is the test net, like get us to mainnet and deliver on the, the promises that we're making. And then two is that you need to decentralize this. We can't mm-hmm. not decentralize this. We have to live up to that value and to that ethos. I mean, I, I just thought that was such a like 
that's so reflective of how we're thinking about this, that like the CEO of the company is saying, hey, figure out this decentralization thing. I think that's super meaningful. And it's again, it's what I wake up every morning and say, P0, how do we decentralize? Mm-hmm. And I think other people are seeing this as well. Like, and they're seeing the values that we're, we're kind of stating and living around this and they're recognizing it. Like uh, this crazy thing happened maybe three weeks ago where we did an AMA on Reddit um, and we talked about our plans and how we were approaching things. And then I got an email that night from someone who said, hey, I want to give you the base.eth domain name, the ENS name, because That's nice. like you guys are living up to the values of decentralization. And this is my way of paying yeah. it forward, like retroactively, like kind of rewarding the, the way you guys are building base. And I thought that was just such a, like, it was one more kind of uh mark for me where it's like, oh God, like we need to live up to this because yeah. like one more person is saying, hey, I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is a big threshold to hit and going off of that, like, how do you plan on living up to that? You know, earlier I asked you if any blockchains inspired bases own makeup and you said uh, so many was your answer, I believe. <laughs> So I guess, how is Base's competitive edge here compared to other chains? Aside from the Coinbase brand name association that we talked about, you guys want to live up to your own name and create this decentralized entity of your own. Like, what is the edge here? Yeah, I think what we're focused on with Base is just making it incredibly easy for both developers and users to access the on-chain economy through Layer 2. And that's a low-cost, secure, easy experience like that's that's all we are focused on and i think you know the other folks are focused on that as well but i think the combination of having the track record with coinbase that we've been doing this for a long time and then also having the kind of at scale consumer products and distribution in the kind of 110 million coinbase users 80 billion dollars worth of assets in the coinbase ecosystem that like sets us up really well to actually land that result and again i was tweeting about this this morning but it's like I'm not worried about competition. What I'm worried about is building products that people want to use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right now in crypto, it's still too hard for people to use these things. Mm-hmm. And so that is what we wake up and focus on at base. It's like decentralization is the P0. And then the P1 is like making sure that developers and users can actually use these new applications that are being deployed on this incredibly powerful new platform. Yeah. What are some of the ideas or projects you're seeing that you think people would actually want to use that are, you know, crypto centric? Yeah, I was on Capitol Hill on Thursday last week talking with policymakers. I'll be back on Thursday this Mm -hmm. week talking with policymakers, just trying to help them understand what are the use cases? Like, why are people using crypto? And there were four ones that we talked about with folks. The first one is remittances, people sending money back to their families. Average cost of doing a remittance in the legacy financial system is $45. Mm -hmm. On base, the cost will be 10 cents. By the end of the year, it'll be closer to one cent. I mean, that's like a 50x, 100x improvement in a thing that like is a huge part of people's lives and is like actively preventing them from supporting their family in the same way they could if they had that much more ease of use, low cost. That's one. Another one that we talked about is kind of like sovereign identity, which is already a huge thing in crypto. Like you have an ENS name, I have an ENS name. And what that means is I control my identity. And then when I when I use any crypto app, it knows who I am. Mm-hmm. I can selectively share the information that I want to. And I remain in control of that identity rather than kind of offloading it to someone like Facebook or someone like Equifax who stores it in a big centralized database, probably advertises based on that data 
and then has the risk of losing it to you know hackers. And so I think that's another really concrete use case where crypto is already providing a much better experience for everyday people. A third one, and this goes back to the kind of your opening question, is Oak, where folks mm-hmm. are building a local community currency in Oakland. And that means that for the merchants that are using it at the farmer's market, where in the first farmer's market that we launched, we have something like 70% merchant adoption. They are paying way less from a fees perspective. Now they pay 0% and not 25 to 50 cents per transaction. It's basically free. They get instant access to their money rather than having to wait for a settlement through like the payments network or whatever. And they get to contribute to an effort that keeps more of the value in their local community. Like that's mm-hmm. happening today. That's not some futuristic thing. That's like communities using crypto to live better lives today. So I could go on and on with these mm-hmm. use cases. It feels like every day there's more examples of ways that we're using crypto to upgrade the system that is 50 to 100 years old in most cases when it comes to financial services. And that upgrade of the system is leading to 10x lower costs, 10x more accessibility globally, and 10x better experiences that people actually love. Right. I think going off of that, going into the idea of like accessibility, and you mentioned before Solana as like one of the places that kind of inspired Base's makeup. Could you see a future where Base, which we know is a layer two, builds on other layer ones aside from Ethereum? Like, is that possible? Is that even a conversation you would have? I think from a technical perspective, the idea of having a layer two that settles to multiple layer ones, it's still very much a thing that's in the research phase. Mm -hmm. Like the thing that a layer two is getting from a layer one is the security and decentralization of that layer one. And if you try and get that security and decentralization from multiple layer ones, you actually end up getting it from none of them because they all have different security and decentralization, and then they Mm -hmm. end up being in conflict, almost like a bridge that's between multiple layer ones. So I'd say what we're focused on most right now is how do we ensure we kind of maximally get that security and decentralization from Ethereum? And then how do we make sure that base is a bridge, not an island, which Mm -hmm. means that it interconnects with Ethereum, with other layer twos, and with other layer ones through bridges so that users can come from off-chain to on-chain on base, and then they can go wherever they want to. And we can build products experiences that enable them to do that really easily and really securely. Right. And base is still in its early innings. It launched literally like two months ago. Yeah. I kind of want to circle back to what we were talking about at the beginning with base's vision, but like, how has it been and what is the North Star metric you track when it comes to performance and saying like, okay, things are going well here. Yeah. I mean, it's been incredibly successful. I think it's been seven weeks as of this week. It's almost two months. Yeah. Yeah, almost two months. (laughs) The response we got from a launch perspective was awesome. People were so excited. We had something like 100 kind of launch builders, you know, big name applications that were committed at the test net. And then since then, we've added like more than 100 more. Like every day, we're getting more people to commit to deploy the base mainnet. And then the key North Star metric that I look at is the number of active builders that are on base, which we've you know done a bunch of kind of internal definition of. But basically, it's like how many unique developers are building on base on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? Because given we're in this testnet phase, we're not really looking at the consumer use cases yet. It's all testing. So what we're looking at is what we consider the precursor to the consumer use cases, which is the people building the things that consumers will eventually use. And so what we've seen from that is that we have many, many thousands of builders and that, that number is growing consistently. That's what you want to see. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's the that's the kind of 
response that I think really validates that what we're building is resonating with the developer side, which I think will lead down the line to a ton of incredibly powerful products that billions of people are going to use. Mm-hmm. So builders building is the key metric. Here. Builders building. Yeah, builders <laughs> building on base. There we go. Builders building on base on Coinbase. Yeah, that's going to be like a a whole cycle. But okay, how is regulation going to affect base? You talked a bit about that earlier. You've spent some time in DC, especially as a blockchain that's currently tied to Coinbase, which, you know, has kind Mm -hmm. of become a poster child that's asking for clear crypto regulation guidelines. We've seen that from Brian Armstrong. We've seen that from your chief policy officers. We hear it from you. How is this going to affect base, if at all, which I think it would? But yeah. Answer. Yeah. I mean, I think like just like all of the crypto projects, all of the innovation that's happening in the United States right now, mm-hmm. base is navigating the same kind of forced regulatory uncertainty that policymakers are creating right now, which leads to a lot of uncertainty and it leads to folks leaving the United States to innovate elsewhere. And I think that uncertainty, you know, I was talking with an entrepreneur when I was in D.C., they were telling me that they're spending, you know, hundreds of thousands, like this is an early stage startup. And they were saying they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars just on the legal and regulatory side, trying to figure out what's what, like literally just trying to figure out what the facts are about what they can and can't be doing. And that for an early stage startup, like that's the difference between being able to hire an engineer and having to like contend with sorting through this like completely ambiguous regulatory environment. Like that's life or death in a lot of cases. And so I think what we are focused on at Coinbase and at Base is working with policymakers to create common sense frameworks for crypto in the United States that can support innovation. And I think what our fear is, is that if we don't get to that common sense framework, what we're going to see is we're going to see more innovation and more uh, entrepreneurs leaving the United States, going Mm -hmm. to the hubs that are embracing crypto today, like Hong Kong, like the UK, uh, like Australia, and the United States falling behind. And we've been a country that has been, I think, at the forefront of innovation for many, many generations. And I hope that in the generations ahead, that's not something that we're willing to kind of give up. And so, you know, it's been encouraging to see that increasingly policymakers, there's a, there's a big segment of policymakers who get it and who are working hard to tell the story and create those frameworks. And right. I'm optimistic that in the months and years ahead, those folks will prevail because I think what's going to become more and more obvious every day, every week, every month is that crypto, not only is it not going away, it's also not just the speculative thing that people have experienced over the last 10 years. It is a fundamental force for good. That is the tool with which we will upgrade the systems of this country, the financial systems that currently do not serve everyday Americans and serve entrenched interests. And Mm -hmm. if we can use or when we use crypto to upgrade those systems, we will see people having better lives, having more economic freedom, just being happier. And the narratives are going to shift from, oh, these people abused crypto to kind of do things that people have been doing for a long time in bad ways, but they just use crypto this time rather than the legacy systems to, oh, wow, look at these millions and millions of people who every day are using crypto to make their lives better. And I think mm-hmm. that narrative shift is already starting to happen. But over the next months, I think it's just going to accelerate as these use cases become more and more visible to the broader public. Yeah, definitely. To tie it all together, Jesse, what is the future roadmap for BASE and the timeline for mainnet? 
Yeah. So uh, like I said, the things that we are focused on are decentralization, security and Mm -hmm. ease of use, uh, and then scalability. From a timeline perspective, we're not sharing an official timeline for mainnet right now, but it's coming soon. We're working hard on it. It's our number one priority along those decentralization goals. And the rest of the year is really about uh, making sure we get there as quickly as possible. Do you think it would be within 2023? <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Okay. All plans are that it will be within 2023, um, okay. but we're not sharing a specific timeline within 2023 right now. Okay, it's my job to ask questions, Jesse. Yeah, no, it's good. Got to do it to you. Uh, uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully our press team is okay with me saying within 2023. Um, yeah, we're, we're working hard and feeling really good. We'll be sharing more in the you know in the months ahead about kind of the exact timeline. Wonderful. And lastly, Jesse, can you leave us with a piece of advice for developers and builders in the space? Yeah, I'd say like, just get started and don't be afraid to build a system on chain in a native way. Like go write a smart contract before you stand up your AWS account. Like that would be my piece of advice. It's like when you are saying, hey, I want to kind of create a new application in crypto and Web3, before you go set up your kind of traditional Web2 infrastructure, your kind of like EC2, AWS, GCP, go write some smart contracts that explore the problem space. Because I think what we've seen from kind of developers and, and builders in the space is that when they start with the smart contracts, they're actually able to move 10 times faster and they're able to have kind of 10 times the impact for a given mm-hmm. team size than when they start with kind of the legacy Web2 systems. And this doesn't as much apply to people who have a lot of distribution and a lot of products already in the market. Like those folks were supporting at Coinbase to kind of integrate crypto into those systems. But for those people who are starting fresh and who are building new companies, I'd really encourage folks to like, lean into doing this like as much on chain as much with smart contracts as much as like a crypto native way as possible because you're going to get a ton of leverage from doing that great awesome well thank you jesse for coming on the show today i actually really enjoyed talking with you yeah thanks for having me it was a blast We'll be back every other week with interviews with top players in the crypto ecosystem. Catch us on Thursdays for interviews with experts in the Web3 space. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite pod platform and subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and the stories we talked about can be found in our show notes and be sure to follow us at chain underscore reaction on Twitter. Chain Reaction is hosted by myself and produced by Yashad Kulkarni and Maggie Stamets with editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, Alyssa Stringer leads audience development, and Henry Pickovit manages TechCrunch's audio products. Thanks for listening. See you next time.